But let me tell you what we usually do here on Sunday mornings at Gateway. We actually believe that the Bible is extraordinarily special. We believe that it was ordained by God in a unique and powerful way, and it contains his story. So we believe that the Bible is the final authority for our faith and our lives. So what we do typically here on Sunday morning is I'll take a passage from the Bible, and I'll pick that apart and try to analyze it, and together we will try to apply that to our lives. There are a couple of periods during each year at Gateway when we will just take a book of the Bible and we'll work our way through that book of the Bible section by section by section. That's how extraordinary we believe it is. And we believe it for good reason, which we'll cover some other day, not today. Occasionally, we'll have conversations and lessons that are topical, like we might talk about marriage or prayer or discouragement or something. And even when we do that, I'll try to find passages of Scripture that will address that topic, and we take that passage and pick it apart and apply it to our lives relative to that topic, because we believe that this is the ultimate and final authority on our faith and our lives. Once in a great while, we cover a topic that's so pervasive in the Bible itself, and also in the lives of those who have made themselves followers of Jesus Christ and have found a connection with God. We find a topic that's so pervasive that we take a bigger picture view and we talk about that topic and then we'll just cherry pick a passage or a couple of passages that address that topic. We sit down on them lightly because they just give us insight to this topic that's so powerful and so pervasive and so clearly talked about over and over again. Again, we just cherry-pick a couple of passages. The topic that we're talking about right now is one of those kinds of topics. We're in a series of lessons that we're calling All In. We're talking about being all in with God We spent four weeks talking about how being all in with God means being all in with your finances. Because Jesus said at one point, it's so extraordinarily important, Jesus said at one point, listen, where your money is, that's where your treasure is. We went further than that. We said it not only involves your finances, but we said to be all in with God, you've got to give. You have to give to God-honoring causes. We talked about lots of reasons for that. Then we said that we were going to spend four weeks talking about being all in, specifically with our time and energy. Now, I want you to know in advance, today is a little bit self-serving. We're talking a little bit about Gateway today, and that's because that's where most of us have decided to invest our lives. If you're visiting today, I hope you'll take this as a lesson to carry with you if you're involved in another congregation, because ultimately I'm going to tell you, you need to be invested. Not only do you need to be invested, deep down inside, whether or not you've recognized it yet, you want to be. All right, so I have prayed that today would be challenging to those of you who are not yet all in. And I have prayed that today would be encouraging and inspiring to those of us who are that will be reminded. So let's pray that right now. Father, we break open our chests and we ask that you would massage your truth into our hearts and our minds. And as much as we're able right now, we give you permission 
to address us, speak to us in areas of need and areas of desire. Also, Lord, even apart from what I say today, speak into areas of hurt and areas of worry. I pray for those today who are physically hurting. We sang it a minute ago. God, we actually believe that you have healing capacity, that being connected to you does something in us physically. We pray for those of us who are overcome with worry, concern. We bring that to you. You told us if we bring our concerns and worries to you, deposit them at your feet, that you give us a peace that we couldn't even understand. We can't get our minds around. We pray for that today as well. But more than anything, God, I want to pray that you will speak encouragement or conviction, whichever we need. In the strong name of Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. All right, so here's the giddy up. The main idea, if you miss everything else, right from the outset, don't miss this. Being all in with God involves pursuing and maintaining intimate and sometimes demanding connections with other people. Being all in with God involves pursuing and maintaining intimate and sometimes demanding connections with other people, especially people who are themselves all in with God. All right, I'm going to read from a blog, and and, uh, Dean, I'm going to ask you to follow me. I've got like three-fourths of the blog on the screen because I want you to be able to see this. I ran into this blog a few weeks ago, and it just, it really, it jumped out at me. I'm going to read several paragraphs. I want you to hear the whole thing because it's really powerful. About 10 years ago, I grew disillusioned with the church I'd attended all my life. I continued to attend, but I avoided the people there. I kept greetings brief and conversations superficial. I came late and left quickly after the service. It surprised me how easy it was to hide in plain sight in church, especially when I had been active there my whole life. What surprised me even more since then is how common this experience is. This Sunday, thousands of people will arrive at church right as the music starts, or 12 minutes later. They'll find a seat in increasingly dim auditoriums. They'll sing music that touches an array of emotions. They'll listen to an interesting sermon and leave having never spoken to anyone. These reclusive congregants neither give nor receive hospitality. Look at this list. Share no burdens. They do not assist the weak. They receive no prayer for discernment over major life decisions. No repentance for grudges or grievances. No healing of estranged relationships. No rejoicing with another's joys. No sorrow in another's tears. You cannot have intimacy with Christ and remain aloof from his body. Sermon and songs will conspire to give the worshiping consumer an experience of having connected with Christ even while they ignore the very real members of Christ's body sitting right next to them. For many, this has become normal. In my case, this was a phase of anonymity and alienation where I wasted months that still grieve me. For many, however, anonymous attendance is all they know of church. It is perpetual and permanent. These days, it is far too easy to go to church alone. Okay, I I don't want to make us feel guilty. I want to inspire us to go deeper, to go all in. God told us that where his people were gathered, he would be there. 
He told us, in fact, that we were his temple. We were his building. So listen, you cannot be all in with God and not be where he lives. You cannot be intimate with Christ and remain aloof from his body. Now last week, when we started this topic, we noted that being in with God, by definition, means being all in. And you remember we said, I mean, still over... 94% of Americans say that they believe in God, but casual belief will not do. Jesus said that he would rather us be cold in our feelings toward him than lukewarm. In fact, he said, I'd rather you be hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. When it comes to our relationship with God, we must be all in or all out. Casual belief has no real impact on who we are or how we do our lives. We also noted last week that being all in with God means, first of all, living on mission. So we're going to add to that today. We're going to add to the picture today, acknowledging that to be all in with God means making connections with others. Being all in with God involves pursuing and maintaining intimate and sometimes demanding connections with other people, especially people who are themselves all in with God. Jesus lived this truth throughout his life, and he repeated it throughout his teaching ministry. So we're going to look quickly this morning at two famous examples of Jesus' teaching toward this truth. And then I'm going to give you four applications for this that have to do with the life of Gateway. So just two places that we're going to touch down lightly where Jesus kind of taught about this. And these are two of the most famous passages in all of Jesus' teaching. Recorded for us in Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. Jesus responds to an intriguing question by an expert in the law. This is the last week of his life. And Jesus has had this interesting interchange between some of the local religious leaders. And there was one political party named the Sadducees, and he'd had an interesting exchange and kind of silenced the Sadducees. And now it's the Pharisees' turn. So the Pharisees are another religious political party in and around nation of Israel and especially Jerusalem. So Jesus is here having this dialogue, hearing that Jesus has silenced the Sadducees, it says in verse 34, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested Jesus with this question. Okay, teacher, yes, you in the back, which is the greatest commandment in the law? I'm not exactly sure the trap that's being set here, but Jesus steps in. And To my amazement, he actually answers that question. That, to me, seems like exactly the kind of question that Jesus would turn it back on the questioner with some clever counter-question. But instead, Jesus goes right to the heart of it. It's as if he's been waiting for someone to ask so he could give this teaching. Don't miss the teaching, but don't miss his summary statement at the end. So listen to what Jesus says. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. By the way, the second, just like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. So basically, everything I've said up to this point, all this happened between me and humanity and me trying to show myself who I am to to my people, all of it. If you had to drill it down to, to, to one thing, this would be it. He says, in effect, it's all about relationship. More than that, it's all about us extending ourselves in love or extending ourselves in self-sacrificing service, pursuing and maintaining intimacy, first with God and then with others. That's what it's all about. 
loving God, loving others, everything is summarized in that command. So when we get together on Sunday morning or during the week, and we're making small talk, we should be saying things to one another like, how's that loving going? In our conversations with one another, we say, how's work? Perhaps revealing our priorities. How are the kids? We should be saying, how's love in your life? Odd, I know. John 13, now we go to the end of Jesus' life. Verses 34 and 35 of John 13. He repeats himself, essentially. But he adds a little mustard this time. Jesus says to his disciples in John 34 and 35, look, a new command I give you. Love one another. As I've loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So love one another. As I've loved you, love one another. I've told you guys before, I keep telling you this as a warning because one day we're going to do this. I remember reading years ago about a pastor, I think in Argentina, somewhere in South America, a very large church, He stood up on a Sunday morning, read this passage, didn't talk very long. And he said, today, instead of me talking and us having conversation together, today is going to be lab work. So I want you to stand. And when you think about who you can go love, you talk about awkward. All right, go do it. People awkwardly looked around. No, I'm serious. Go do it right now. Go love one another. And so they went and started having conversations and then little by little started praying for one another and trying to figure out what in the world he meant by loving one another and he did the same sermon for 12 weeks. As I've loved you, love one another. Okay, that's it. If you want to know how people are going to know that you're my followers, if you've been students of Jesus, what's that going to look like? Is it going to look like somebody who's super religious? Is it going to look like somebody who's got a gigantic box of scrolls of the Old Testament that they carry around with them and they're highlighted? Is it going to look like you can answer any religious question that anybody has out there? Your knees are callous because you've been praying so hard. Jesus says, you know, some of those things are actually going to be true of you, but you know what's way more important? You love one another. All right, why do we struggle with going all in? So let me repeat it again. Being all in with God involves pursuing and maintaining intimate and sometimes demanding connections with other people. Pursuing and maintaining intimate and sometimes demanding connections with other people. That's what it means to be all in with God. So why do we struggle with going all in? I'm asking that question because it's going to occur to us eventually if we really take this seriously, and also because I read the most convicting illustration a few weeks ago, seriously, I think I've ever personally read. Of course, there are as many different answers to that question, why do we struggle, as there are answerers. But there are some common themes for all of us, aren't there? Especially for those of us who live in suburban northern Virginia. We know some of why for each of it, us, it's so difficult to pursue and maintain intimate connections with others. And one of the common themes for us is that we are just too busy. We have demanding jobs and demanding sometimes commutes and demanding extra work schedules. And especially for those of you who have children, 
keeping up with their schedule alone is demanding, much less executing on it. Listen to this. Gordon McDonald was a pastor in New England a number of years ago. He shares the following story. I love this. In ancient days, when the king of Siam had an enemy that he wanted to torment and destroy, he would send them a gift. He sent his enemy a special, unique gift. A white elephant. The king of Siam would send his enemies a live albino elephant. These animals were considered sacred in the culture of that day. So the recipient of that elephant had no choice but to intentionally and purposefully take care of the gift that he'd been given. This elephant would take an inordinate amount of the enemy's time, resources, energy, emotions, and finances. Over time, the enemy would destroy himself because of the extremely burdensome process of caring for the gift. McDonald goes on. Our spiritual enemy uses the same strategy on us. Let's say you buy season tickets to your favorite sports team. But because you still have a lot of games to go to, you no longer have time to serve in some area of ministry or your neighbor's. Or let's say you buy a summer cottage, but now you miss most worship services between the beginning of May and the end of September. Or let's say you buy a health club membership to get in shape. You used to get up early in the morning to spend some time devotionally reading and connecting yourself to God. But now you don't have time because you're working out before you go to work. Or let's say you buy a spot for one of your kids on a traveling sports team. And now you're too busy to join our community impact ministry as we serve the poor. Are there white elephants in your life? McDonald's asked. Are you spending money on things that take your time away from God? The money isn't the problem. The activities aren't necessarily the problem. The problem is a white elephant gift that has pulled you away from God-honoring pursuits. Let me give four practical steps for moving more all-in for you and I, those of us who call ourselves Gateway. Four things that I want you to consider this morning. First of all, for some of you, join Gateway. Become part of us officially. First, I'd like to encourage you, especially if you've only been coming for a week or two or four, join us for Soup with a Pastor. The soup is great. We do it once a month. It's at the office right down the street. Uh, you'll get directions to it, and you'll get to hear a little bit more about uh, Gateway, and you'll meet me, and up close and personal, as if that's an attraction, but the soup is, and you'll get to meet a, a small group leader or two, or maybe a staff person or two. Well, secondly, join us for Gateway to Gateway. It's four hours on a Saturday. On occasion, we'll split it up and do it on two nights of a week. And you'll get to hear the full story of Gateway, how we got started, how we operate. We want to err in the direction of being transparent, so we'll tell you our dirty laundry, and you get to hear who and what we are and how we do business. If you've not done that, join Gateway. Don't stay on the sidelines. Step in. Secondly, serve on a team at Gateway. Sign up to serve on a team. What's your heart? What's your passion? Find it and serve. Two particular places that may not be your heart or your passion, but are places where we need you. 
you may not have noticed, but we meet in a middle school. We are in the early stages, year two of a four-year process of building our own building, and we're pretty excited about it. But right now, we meet in a middle school. So every Sunday morning, we have to come and turn a middle school into a place where our kids can do their thing in the back, and we can do our thing here, including all this stuff. We have an equipment team that comes here at 8.30 on Sunday mornings and helps set up, and then afterwards, they break everything down. It is a labor of love. You are rarely thanked, but it's weird. All of the people who serve get sexier as they continue to serve over the course of several weeks. So that is one thing I will say, but other than that, there are very few benefits. But it's easy to sign up for. One way to do that is to speak to Dennis Fisher. Dennis, raise your hand. And you talking about sexy, there it is. So if you want to end up looking more and more like Dennis, <laughs> and sign up for the equipment team, because we need you. I think it's probably already apparent to you We need you working with our adorable, incredibly well-behaved, and extremely bright children. So every Sunday, once in a while, we have our older children in with us, but usually they're in the back, and our preschool kids are always in the back. That's every Sunday, us trying to love on them and explain to them what it means to be connected to God because of what Jesus Christ has done. And you really are having an impact on little lives, week by week, inch by inch. You're also getting to know them, and you're getting to know other families at Gateway. So sign up to work with our kids, and to do that, you can speak to Aaron or sign up on the table outside afterwards. Sign up for a team. Serve. It's a way to get to know, a way to step in, a way to pursue more deeply. You'll get to know some people. When you work in the back with a kids' town person, you'll work with an assistant teacher or with a lead teacher. You'll get to know them. You'll have the opportunity to pursue an intimate connection, which you can then lean into and maintain. Third, find a need and meet it. It's time, Gateway, for us to increasingly have our presence be felt outside of ourselves. You and I need to be in the business of identifying needs outside of Gateway, and then dragging other people along with us to help serve those needs. In fact, this command, this love the Lord your God with all your heart, love your neighbor as yourself, there's another incident when Jesus is actually having an exchange with a man. This man says, what should I do to really have a life-changing connection with God? And Jesus says, okay, obey all the law. And he says, awesome. And they eventually drill down to this point. The guy offers up, you know, I guess love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, that's terrific. You have said really well. And then the guy trying to justify himself says, well, well, who's my neighbor? Who's the one I'm really supposed to love? And Jesus tells this incredible story about this guy who is driving. Jesus was very prescient. He knew what was coming. He's driving in southeast D.C. and his car breaks down and he gets out and someone throws something at him as he's working on his car knocks him out and he's bloodied and he's lying on the side of the road and Pastor Ed Allen from Gateway drives by and looks over at him and says, I don't want to get involved in that and he keeps going and then, you know, believe it or not, one of Gateway's elders, Tom Bellino and his wife are driving through southeast D.C. and Tom looks and says, 
I don't think we should stop. And his wife says, absolutely not. And they roll up their windows and they drive faster and they go past. And then someone comes along who is that day led a local protest downtown in D.C. for the gay and lesbian movement. And they pass by and they look over and they see this person and they say, we should help. So they stop and they get out and they help. And then Jesus looks at the crowd and he says, which of those do you think was loving their neighbor? Is it, the, is it Pastor Ed? Because he's very religious. He's handsome. Or is it Tom and Becky Bellino, also religious, not as handsome? (laughs) Or is it the protester? And of course, they're left to answer, it is the protester because they took care of needs. So find a need and meet it. There are things that bug you. There are needs that you see. What can you do to meet it? You know, we have people at Gateway who have visited prisoners. We have people at Gateway who have visited teens in youth detention centers regularly and provided worship experiences for them. There are people at Gateway who have worked over the long haul, week in and week out for months with senior citizens. We had a woman organize Valentine's Month dance with a senior citizen home near here and marshaled several of Gateway's men to go with her and be dance partners. We've had people at Gateway pay mortgages and buy groceries. We've had groups at Gateway give meals to firemen and policemen and ask them how they could pray for them. We have cleaned windows at gas station and handed out coins at laundromats in Herndon as random acts of kindness and said to people, hey, we just want you to know God loves you. We have delivered turkeys to needy families around Thanksgiving. Find a need and meet it. Step in. And drag some other people with you to help you build and maintain intimate connections with other people, especially those who are also connected to God. Finally, the last thing I would offer up is connect to a group at Gateway. Join a small group. Terry Eagle, raise your hand. If you want to join a small group, speak to Terry Eagle. If you're not involved with one or you don't know where one is, join a small group. They're hard and sometimes demanding. There are occasions when you don't feel like going. And it will change your life to go regularly. And it will also change your life to not. Join a group. Let me wrap up with an illustration. Tim Eagle sent me an article a couple of weeks ago about I had seen this couple of comedians in Great Britain have had this vision for starting an atheist church. And it was so successful in their launch in London that they decided to bring it to the United States. So I want you to listen to parts of this article. Dozens of gatherings dubbed by supporters and detractors as atheist megachurches are springing up around the U.S. after finding success in Great Britain earlier this year. The movement fueled by social media and spearheaded by two prominent British comedians is no joke. On Sunday, the inaugural assembly, Sunday assembly in Los Angeles attracted more than 400 attendees, all bound by their belief in non-belief. Similar gatherings in San Diego, Nashville, New York, and other U.S. cities have drawn hundreds of atheists seeking the camaraderie of a congregation without religion or ritual. Pause for dramatic effect. 
seeking the camaraderie of a congregation without religion or ritual. One of the founders of the movement is the uh, British comedian Sanderson Jones. I had, I'd never heard of Sanderson Jones, but he says in the article that he got the first inkling for the idea while leaving a Christmas carol concert six years ago. And here's what he said about it. Listen to this. There was so much about it that I loved. But it's a shame because at the heart of it, it's something that I don't believe in. If you think about church, there's very little that's bad. It's singing awesome songs, hearing interesting talks, thinking about improving yourself and helping other people, and doing that in a community with wonderful relationships. What part of that is not to like? Well, you know, he can say that there's nothing not to like about it because he doesn't know us. I mean, if he actually got involved, he'd find a lot of things not to like about it. Still, having said that, it takes time and effort to be really connected. There's no question, it takes effort to really be all in, both to God and to other people. It takes energy to be involved in a church. But, and here's the drum roll, but we were made for it. We were literally designed for connection. So when you find yourself outside of connection, you will experience an inner personality and emotional dissonance and angst. You will. That would be addressed if you wrapped yourself into community. Is it easy? No. Are there hassles? Yes. Are there times when people are difficult? Always. Does it take time and energy that you don't have? Probably. But you were made for it. So, those of you who have stepped in, number one, thank you for stepping into my life. Not our church. I'm not talking organization. Thank you, those of you who have stepped into my life. You have made Diane and I richer. You have cared for our children. I will be eternally indebted to many of you in this room. Thank you. And today I hope you feel a sense of inspiration and amen for what you've done. I hope you feel reminded that the effort is worth it. That sometimes it's hard, but apart from it, we're adrift. We feel an angst. We feel a distance from ourselves and from our God that we weren't made for. For those of you who have not stepped in, I want to ask you to examine the excuses. I want to ask you to get honest and get real with yourself. You'll not be satisfied with your own place until you step in and make connections, intimate connections, intentional connections with other people that you pursue and maintain, especially with those who are also connected to God. Let's pray. Father, honestly, I hardly know how to pray except to say, help us. As we try to draw near to you, would you also draw us near to one another? And God, I pray today that you would make a clear path for us to step in, to move into service, to move into caring for others, to move into the connections of a group, to get involved. Lord, stir our hearts. We're not going to do this well unless we are inspired by you. We're going to find other things 
that seemed easier and certainly more immediate, but that don't serve us in the long run. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would fall on Gateway and that you would unite our hearts together in the kind of way that people will come and say they love one another. We want our lives and our fellowship to be marked by that. So train us to love one another well because we're not great at it. Also, Lord, I pray that you would this week show us a need that we can fill and then inspire us to step into it and fill it. You've charged us with that, so inspire us. Hear us, Lord. God, we want to pray together this morning as our Savior taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.